Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Ephesians, the first chapter, <clears throat> the first chapter of Ephesians. We're going to be talking today, um, really teaching, because I'm really more of a teacher than I am a preacher, but we're going to be talking today about Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, Paul's prayer for the, the church in Ephesus. We're going to be in, in uh, verses 15 through 23 in Ephesians 1. But before we go there, let me just kind of set the context because, you know, it's important to know anytime you're, you're studying the Bible, it's important to know the context in which the verses are being set forth, in which the scripture's being given. And in this instance, this is a letter from the Apostle Paul uh, penned by the Apostle Paul, but actually uh, was God-breathed because we know 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And that word there, God-breathed, um, uh, or, or that, that word there is, is inspiration by God means God-breathed. In other words, God blew forth his presence and his spirit into every scripture that is contained in our Bible. So what that means is whenever we begin to study the Bible, whenever we begin to open it up and spend time and, and expound on it like we're doing here today, that the Holy Spirit inspired not just the author, but also inspired the words. So that when we, we study the Bible, we need to look at every detail. There's no, no extraneous part of the Bible in any particular scripture. You can study it to as deep a level as you want to study it. It's applicable on an, on an application level, just at the first level, but you can get deeper and deeper. I always say it's like peeling back an onion because the layers of God's word are so deep that it can get into just the very intricate components of our life. In fact, Hebrews 4.12 says that, that, um, that the word of God is living and it's powerful, that it's capable of, of piercing the division of joint and marrow, soul and spirit. It's a, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. And what that means is that when you open up the Bible and you begin to read it, the Holy Spirit comes alive in that word and it begins to resonate with your spirit. See, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what happens is your spirit is reborn. The word says you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come, become new. And that's talking about your spirit inside of you. When you were born because we were descendants of Adam, right, our spirit was not alive. We were not able to commune with God on a spirit-to-spirit -spirit basis. But whenever we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we become believers in Christ and followers in him, your spirit inside of you comes alive with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes, God in the form of the Holy Spirit comes and begins to indwell you. So when you're reading the word of God, it's spirit to spirit, right? So there's this change that takes place. 
There's a transformation that takes place in your heart, in, your, in the innermost part of your being that the, that the Word of God can bring about. Now, if you don't pick it up and you don't read it and you don't spend some time meditating on it, it's not going to jump off the page at you. Right? But if you'll just sit down on a regular basis, it's just been an amazing thing in the history of my life to look back and see all that the Lord has revealed to me spirit to spirit through, through his word. Right? Hopefully he'll do that for us today. So Paul's writing this letter to the Ephesians. There's a church in Ephesus that he had founded on, I think, his first or second missionary journey. And unlike his other, other books, 1 and 2 Corinthians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, uh, even Colossians, he's not writing this particular book to address a problem in the church. Instead, it's kind of a loving, teaching, instructional book that he's writing to New Testament believers. And on top of that, Ephesus was the location of the temple Diana, right? She was a Roman goddess of fertility, all right? And so all of these people in Ephesus, they were into occultic practices. They were into what we would call new age. I guess back then it was old age, but new age practices, you know, all these charms and magical kinds of things. They were really attuned to spiritual things, but it was on the dark side of those spiritual things. And so this group of New Testament believers in, in the church at Ephesus, Paul is writing to them to teach them about true spiritual authority. But there's really only one spiritual authority, and that's Jesus Christ and, and God the Father. And so he sends this, this message, this, this letter to, to these believers in Ephesus, New Testament believers, who are living in a time of pagan practices a time of deceptive doctrines, right? A time of a lot of pressure on the church to stand true to the word. Sound familiar, <laughs> right? Think it might be applicable to the church at Bushland as well as the church at Ephesus because don't we live in perilous times? I mean, don't we live in a time whenever all kinds of doctrines are being floated out there and all kinds of, of, of authorities are being espoused and, and what we have to do is stay true to the word of God and stay true to the authority of Jesus Christ. So Paul writes this letter to us. I mean, if you think about it, right? New Testament believers who are living in a perilous times. And so there's so much wealth that we can draw out of the out of the book of Ephesus or the book of Ephesians, and so I, I want to just focus on that first chapter, beginning in verse fifteen. Okay, I think it'll come up on the come up on the screen. So take a look at it as I read along. He says, "Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers." Okay, I want to take just a moment and emphasize that idea of making mention of you in my prayers because essentially what Paul is saying is, this is what I'm praying for you, right? This is, I'm, I'm making mention, I mention you all the time in my prayers. We'll look at that in just a minute about, about what he's praying for them and for us. Remember, this is the Lord praying through Paul, writing through Paul. But I want you to understand something that, that I think is is crucial to living a victorious Christian life. And that is praying in accordance with the will of God. Okay, 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says this. This is the confidence that we have that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, we have the petitions that we ask of him. 
Okay? My mom demonstrated this when, when we were kids growing up. Lord knows I gave her plenty to pray about when I was growing up in my early time. But my mom would craft prayers. She called them crafted prayers. What she would do is she would go to the Word of God, whatever the situation might be that I was dwelling, uh, dealing with or my, my brothers and my, my sisters, whatever we were dealing with, mom would go into the Word and she would write out a prayer in accordance with the Word. So she would take the promises that are written right in the word of God about children are a heritage to the Lord, that train them up in the way they shall go and they won't depart from it, right? All those, all those, all those scriptures. She would take that out and she would write that prayer out. And that's what she would pray over us. So she knew she was praying in accordance with the will of God, right? I don't know about you if you've got a praying mom or a praying grandmom, or if you are a praying mom or a praying grandmom, or dad, let me just tell you, that's a good way to deal with the issues that are going on in your life and in your kid's life. Just sit down. I've done this a lot. I've done this over legal cases. I've done this over situations with a kid. I've, I did that with all three of our kids. I sat down and I wrote out crafted prayers for each one of those. And I would just go to the Word, and I would find what that is. And then on a regular basis, I would bring that forth. And what I felt like I was doing is I was praying the will of God over those kids, but I was also calling the Lord into, into remembrance of His Word. Because He tells us to do that. He said, call, call to my remembrance that which I've spoken over you. So if you don't get anything else today, right? Practical application, something you can take home with you. Write out crafted prayers for your kids. Write out crafted prayers for your business. Write out crafted prayers for your employees, your students, whoever it may be. Write those out and you know you can expect to see God work in that particular situation in accordance with his word. And that's what Paul was doing here, right? Exactly, I make mention of you in my prayers. So let's read on. Let's see what it was that he was praying for them and for us, right? Verse 17 and 18, here's what he's praying. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Right? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. He's talking about us and these in the, in the believers at Ephesus have a greater illumination of the word of God. A greater, greater illumination of God and who he is. He was talking about that you would have a greater spirit of wisdom and a greater spirit of revelation. Now, some translations capitalize that S in spirit. Most of them don't. And most commentators agree that that's supposed to be a little S spirit, not a capital S spirit. If it were a capital S spirit, it would be the Holy Spirit. In other words, he would be praying that the Lord would give to, to us and to them the Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom and revel <coughs> excuse me, revelation do come through the Holy Spirit, but it's a little less. And so what he's praying is <clears throat> that the Lord would give to you your spirit, to your spirit, little less spirit, wisdom and revelation. Right? Now, I don't know about you, but that's something I would receive. I would like to have more wisdom. I would like to have more revelation. I would like to have more understanding. Because the word wisdom, we're taught in Proverbs and other places, the word wisdom essentially means the, the practical application of spiritual principles. Right? The practical application of spiritual principles. It's taking the Word of God, 
and the truths of God and the doctrines of God and applying them in your everyday life. Now, Proverbs says that we should seek after wisdom more than silver and gold, that they're more value than any, anything we can seek after monetarily. Proverbs also says that I, wisdom, was with God, was with the Father before the creation of the earth. Whenever God said, light be, in Genesis 1, and light was, that was the application of a spiritual principle to an everyday situation. And the earth was formed. Right, And so what Paul is praying for us here and praying for them here is this idea that, our, that we would receive a spirit that enables us to have greater wisdom, to have greater ability to apply spiritual truths to practical situations. Right? So whatever it is that we're facing, that we would have an understanding and we would know how to do that. Now he says also that you have a greater revelation in the knowledge of him. Right? It says the eyes of your understanding being revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Now, this idea of knowledge in the Bible is a little bit different than what we use in our English language. Okay? So we talk about knowledge in terms of something we gain in school. We talk about kind of a mental uh, acuity. We talk about an ability to understand and discern things mentally. But the word knowledge in the Greek is epigenosko. Epigenosco, and it means actually a special perception of or a unification with the object of that which is being known. Okay? In other words, it's experiential knowledge. It goes beyond just head knowledge, it goes into heart knowledge. It goes from beyond the fact of just knowing someone, being acquainted to them, to actually experiencing them. Right? When Cindy and I first started dating and in the late 70s and 80s. A lot of y'all weren't even born, weren't even thought about that time. But whenever we first started dating like that, I knew Cindy, right? I knew her. I kind of began to know her habits and that type of thing. But it really wasn't until we, we became married that I had an experiential knowledge with her. I lived everyday life with her, right? And so at that point, I had a greater understanding of her likes and dislikes, her desires, her purposes, her intents. What this is talking about, Paul is praying that we would have a greater understanding of God's likes and dislikes, right? Of his intents and his purposes. You know, so many times people say, oh, we just can't understand the ways of God. I don't believe that. I think there'll be things that we'll receive in Revelation when we get to heaven, but I think anything we seek after in, that's in God's domain, he's going to show it to us because he spent, he sent his Holy Spirit. That's what this is being prayed, being prayed for is here, that we would have a greater knowledge, an experiential knowledge of him, that we would know him better. Anytime you see the word know or knowledge, understand this, talk about experience. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. He was talking about, you shall experience me. You shall experience the truth, and that's how you're set free. It's that experiential knowledge. Amen? <laughs> Just checking if y'all are still there. Operator, hello? Okay. All right. So, okay, let's look and see what it is that he's praying for us, right? Because he's praying this. We have a greater experiential knowledge. And then we look at verse 18. Here's what it is that he's praying, okay? It's better from here, right? Here's what he's praying. That you may know, number one, what is the hope of his calling that you may know, number two, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? 
And number three, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Okay, now we're going to spend most of the time focusing on number three here in just, in just a few minutes, but one and two. Number one, what is the hope of his calling? He's praying that you get a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You have a greater understanding of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, of eternal life. Not just eternal life, by the way, everlasting life. Everlasting life is different from eternal life. Eternal life is talking about living forever. Everlasting life is life without boundaries, right? Life in abundance, life without restrictions. So he's praying that we would know the hope of being called into relationship with Jesus Christ, which is life. It's abundance. It's the life of God being in us. That's the first thing he's praying. We know the hope of his calling. We'll talk about that another time. Second thing that he's talking about, you would know the riches of his inheritance in the saints. Riches of inheritance. What that's talking about is, says in Romans, that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, and if we're heirs, we're joint heirs with Christ, right? So that means that we have an inheritance. We have the same inheritance that Jesus had in covenant with God. It's like the Abrahamic covenant. We're engrafted into a relationship with God, and we receive purpose. We receive security. We receive provision. We receive grace. We receive the abundance that God has in store for those who are in covenant with him. That's the riches of his inheritance in the saints, right? But the last one is the one I want to focus on today because it's the one that just jumps out. And Paul spends some more time explaining about it. He says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? And look at verse 20, he says, uh, uh, verse 19, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Whenever that word says it's according to the working of his mighty power, he's saying it's equivalent to, it's of the same nature, it's of the same definition. And so what that's saying is that when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that God exerts power, directs the same power toward us that he exerted whenever he raised Jesus up out of the dead, resurrected him, and seated him at the right hand of the Father. You get that? So when you made the decision, or if you haven't yet, if you do, make the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God the Father, the creator of the universe, exerts and directs the same power toward you to draw you out of your sin, out of your darkness, out of the kingdom of the world into the kingdom of his son, he exerts that same power toward you that he exerted whenever he, he resurrected Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me feel special, number one, but it also makes me very secure in my salvation. Right? That's the same power that he exerted. I'm very secure in my salvation. I know that when I said yes to the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. When I said, he did that for me personally. He did that for Marty. He did that on my behalf. I know that God directed his power toward me and rose, rose me up, raised me up as well. And he seated me positionally, right? He seated me positionally in Christ. What that means is Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he is forever making intercession for us. That's what it says in the book of Hebrews. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, which is the, 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 the side of blessing and the side of power. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. 
and he's making intercession for us. When I accept Christ, I'm seated with him. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, right? We're identified with him. I'm in Christ. So I know that I have a level of spiritual authority, okay, follow me, a level of spiritual authority that comes with the fact that I'm seated right there with Jesus. That's why, right, when we pray, how do we pray? In Jesus' name, amen, right? What that means, in accordance with the name of Jesus, so be it. What amen means, in accordance with the name of Jesus, so be it. So that any time the enemy is trying to bring anything against me or my family or my business or my finances or my health or my well-being, when he's trying to bring anything against me, I know I'm seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ and that I have a spiritual authority that I'm, I'm empowered to direct, to apply. That's what that's talking about. He raised us up and he seated us at the right hand of the Father. And here, it looks even better than this. Look, look at the, the next passage, Ephesians 1.21 says, far above, right, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Okay, this is where Jesus is seated. This is where we're seated with him, right? Because of the same power that God exerted toward us. This is where we're, Jesus is seated and where we're seated with him. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age... Hello, it's applicable to now, it's applicable to today, not just in heaven, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Okay, so let's talk about this just a minute. Most commentators agree that those words, every principality and power and might and dominion, those are kind of interchangeable words, and they essentially mean every authority, whether it be spiritual, whether it be physical, every ranking, it doesn't matter, every principality and power, every might, every dominion, every name that is named, right? Jesus has been seated far above that, okay? So he's seated far above anything that is named. You can't name anything that isn't named. Think about that one on the way home, right? Can't name anything that isn't named, right? So whatever that name may be, whether it be disease, whether it be sickness, whether it be uh, poverty, whether it be depression, whether it be addiction, whatever. Those are all names, right? I just said names, and with each of those names came a concept. But this word says that Jesus is seated above every name that is named, right? Far above principalities, powers, might, and dominion. And guess what? We're seated with him. <laughs> Ooh, that's worth shouting about. It's okay, no, please, hold it down, hold it down. Right? It's worth shouting about because when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and by the way, that's what it is, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's the entry point, that's the threshold. You're seated with the, the right hand of the Father, far above all principality and power, every name that is named. Philippians 2 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is truly Lord. Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, right? Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, I shall, it shall be done unto you, right? He said, this is the way you pray. Ask the Father in my name. So what does that mean? You're taking the spiritual authority 
that has been vested in Christ through the power of God that raised him from the dead, you're taking that spiritual authority and you're receiving it as your own. Why? Because you're a child of the king. Not because of anything you've accomplished, not because of your holiness, not even because of your faith. Hello? A lot of people think, oh, I'll kind of build up my faith. I don't know. All you have to do is just believe. Just believe that what this says is true. And what this says is true is we're seated with Christ. And whatever the enemy tries to bring against you, it's under your feet. He can't, he can't do it. He can't touch you. Walk in the spiritual authority that's been given to you. Right? And that spiritual authority is that we're seated at the right hand of the Father. Whew, I just love that. Just love that, right? So I, I name those things sometimes. Enemy, you're trying to bring against me stress, right? The word stress has all the connotation, has all the things, upset stomach, hair falling out, hair turning gray, right? Stress, all that stuff comes. Stress is just a name. Stress, you must bow your knee. Symptoms of stress, you must bow your knee. Poverty, you must bow your knee. Depression, you must bow your knee. Addiction, you must bow your knee. Why? Because I'm speaking forth the name of Jesus over that thing over that thing. And I do that in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Not of my own merit, not of my own righteousness, but because of the grace that's extended to me. And that's what Paul is praying, by the way. The Lord, God breathed prayer. This is the prayer that is going forth to New Testament believers that we would know and understand it. Not that it would exist, not that it would be brought into being, that we would know it. Right? So it's all a matter of us not knowing it and it being understood by us. So thank God y'all are here today, right? Amen, because now you know it. Okay. Here's the other part, though. You're held accountable for it once you know it. So I, you know, it's not a free ride, but that's okay, right? So, here, so here's what he says. Far above all principality and power that, that is named. Okay, so now here's the capper. Let's go to verse 22 and 23. We're coming in for a landing, okay? Adjust your trade tables, incline your seats. We're ready to go. So verse 22 and 23, it says, and he put, he God, right? And he God put all things under his, Jesus's feet. Got that right? And God put all things under Jesus's feet and gave Jesus, him, to be head over all things to the church. Whoo, that's us, right? So he gave, he gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all. All in all. Okay. All right. So here, here's the picture, right? Here, here's the metaphor. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Under Christ's feet, right? Far below his feet are all principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name that is named, right? He's the head. Everything's under his feet. Where are we? We're his body. We're the body of Christ. Paxton was talking about the body of Christ during worship. We're the body of Christ. So that means so long as he's our head, hello, right? So long as we're following his headship, as long as we're under him, we don't separate or take our head off, set it over here on the dresser, you know, and go about our way, right? Keep the head over the body. Then all those things are under our feet. They're under our feet. And whatever the enemy tries to bring against us, we sing this song, First Assembly, remember that? Under my feet. He's under my feet. Satan is under my feet, right? Y'all remember that? So it was that idea that he, all things, all things of a spiritual authority, all things that the enemy tries to bring, all things that he tries to manifest into our lives, they're under our feet because of the authority of Christ and the fact that we're the church, right? You're here today. 
You're the church. Talking about the corporate body. Here today, you're the church. You're the church. And Christ, Christ is our head. So here's the prayer, right? Here's the idea. Do you want to receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him? That's kind of like a no-brainer. Hypothetical question, I suppose, but yeah. Do you want to receive that? Well, then all you have to do is to receive that prayer. Receive that prayer. Just recognize that that prayer is being prayed for you. And if you receive that spirit of wisdom and revelation, then what? You have a greater experiential knowledge of God. You begin to experience him greater. You begin to see and know him in greater ways than you ever have before. I'll relate this story as we're closing. Cindy and I had, had uh, met one another at Tech when she was getting her, her master's and I was, I was starting law school. So we only really got to spend one year together at, before she moved to Dallas. She graduated and moved to Dallas, but we, so we had a long-distance relationship. And so Cindy had grown up a good little Baptist girl, and she just, you know, um, just had a, a relationship with the Lord. But she had never prayed for this spirit of wisdom and revelation. She had never really asked the Lord, Lord, would you open up, you know, the, the word to me? And she was in Dallas, missing me terribly. I mean, you know, her life was just a wreck, you know, but she was missing me terribly. So she, she one night, she just prayed that. She just had her Bible there. And she, she was just praying. She said, Lord, would you just give me that spirit of wisdom and revelation? Would you just, just open, up, open up your word to me? I mean, it was like, boom, like this cataclysmic event. And, and Cindy will tell you, it, from that point forward, even to now, Cindy's a great Bible scholar and great teacher. And from that point forward, it was just like the word just came alive. Things that she had learned in Sunday school, you know, and had read before, all those things. All of a sudden, they just had a new dimension to them. All of a sudden, they just had kind of a meatiness and had an ability to get into her heart, and she began to walk, and that was a transformation of her life. You know, next to marrying me was the best thing that could ever happen to her. <laughs> kidding. I mean, it was a huge transformation, and I saw it. I mean, the next time we visited, you know, we flew Southwest Airlines and talked on Southwestern Bell. That was Southwest was our whole deal. And so next time I got over there, I just said, what's going on? You know, you, you won't believe she told me the whole story. And she just continued to exponentially grow from that point forward, right? What was that? That was the Lord answering that prayer, right, in the book of Ephesians. It was the Lord saying, okay, sweetheart, I mean, daughter of mine, you ask this, I'm going to grant it. Why is he going to? Because it's in accordance with his will. Right. Don't you think he wants you to have a greater spirit of wisdom and revelation? Don't you think he wants you to experience him more? Yes. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, so we would do that. Okay? So I want to encourage you. Right? And, and, and that's it. It's just, it's just really encouraging, encouragement to you to get, to get that prayer out. And I'm going to pray it here in just a minute over all of us. But, I, but, but get out your Bible, you know, get out your iPad or iPhone, wherever you, you've got your Bible, and, and, and begin to pray that prayer over yourself, over your kids, over your business, over your extended family. Praise God, right? For summer vacation, you know, begin to pray that. And, be, and you'll begin to see results. You'll begin to see results because the confidence that we have is that we ask anything in accordance with his will, he's going to grant it. Amen? Amen. Okay, how about if you stand to your feet? and let, I'm going to pray this prayer over you. Paxton and the worship team is going to come. Thank you for your attention, by the way, and, and your indulgence of this. But, you know, I, I hope that it's not just, um, not just something that you just kind of hear, you know. The word says that... Um, 
that the, the word of God is like seed that's sown, right? It can be sown into, into, into ground by the wayside, you know, and then it, it, you take join it for a little bit, but then whenever the, the storms come, it gets plucked up. But if it's sown in good ground, then it begins to bring forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold, right? So that's what I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that you would receive this seed, not through me, but just through the Holy Spirit. You'd receive this seed so that it might begin to bring forth life in you, okay? So let me turn to that scripture right quick. Bow your heads, if you will, and I'm just going to pray this prayer. And if you don't mind receiving this, right? If you receive this, you can just either raise your hand right there where you are, or you can just... Raise your own hand inside your heart. Doesn't matter either way. But here, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this, pray this prayer. So, Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name, and we do not cease to give thanks for, for this church at Bushland. Lord, I thank you for the people that are represented here. I thank you for their hearts. I thank you for their minds. I thank you for their, their giving, their devotion, their dedication. And we pray, Lord, that you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that you would give to each person here, to each one of us, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. I pray, Lord, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened so that we may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in us, the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe. We believe, Lord, it's in accordance with the working of your mighty power, which you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. We thank you, Father, that we're seated there with him and that we're far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Father, we thank you that you put all things under Jesus's feet and you gave him to be head over all things to our church to the church at Bushland, of which we are members. We are his body, Lord. Help us to be the fullness of him who fills all in all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our altar ministers are up here. If you have any need whatsoever, yeah. it's important for you to come and agree with someone in prayer, right? Because the word says, if any two or three shall, uh, if any two of you shall agree is touching anything, it shall be done unto you. So whatever it is that you might be dealing with in your life, Nothing is too small. Nothing is too trivial for the Lord. The Lord says he will perfect that which concerns you. If it concerns you, then come forward and agree in prayer with these folks. And we'll begin to see changes in your life in accordance with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 